This is Church of the Resurrection in Wheaton, Illinois. This week's sermon is by Father Brett Kroll and is from Pentecost Sunday, 2018. Jesus, in our gospel reading today, called the Holy Spirit the Helper. Did you know that that was the Holy Spirit's job? Did you know that was His name? Do you expect help from the Holy Spirit? How much do you expect from the Holy Spirit? Do you expect a little? Do you expect a lot? Maybe you're saying, I didn't know that I was allowed to expect anything of God. Perhaps you're saying, frankly, I'm a little jaded on expecting any help from God. Wherever you're coming from today, Jesus proclaims to us in His gospel that the Holy Spirit is the indispensable assistant for everything pertaining to perseverance in our daily life, to prevailing in the spiritual battle. The Holy Spirit is our indispensable assistant. So go ahead and turn in your Bibles to the gospel reading in John 14. We'll be working mostly from the gospel today. And there in verse 15, Jesus says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. He said, The world cannot receive it because the world doesn't know, but you know him because he's been with you, and he will be in you. But Jesus calls him the helper. And it may seem a little strange to us to call God our assistant. It may even seem a little bit irreverent. And indeed, we probably would not be bold to do so if it were not for Jesus telling us. No, his name is Helper. In the, in the original language, the word is paraclete, which means one who comes alongside or is called on for assistance. It's what the name means. And God loves this name for himself. You see all throughout the scriptures, and especially in the Psalms, that God is called the helper of Israel. You are my help. You are our help. In Psalm 121, where do I go for help? I look to the hills. Where's my help to come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He loves the name helper. So it's okay to call him our indispensable assistant. But let's key in on that word indispensable for a moment because... This is a kind of help that we cannot succeed in what we are called to do without it, all right? So it's not like the help when you go to the grocery store and the guy bagging the grocery says, after he's done, would you like me to help you carry them out to the car? And you say, that's sweet, thanks, but no, that's not necessary. Not that kind of help. The kind of help when Frodo says, I'll take the ring to Mordor, and Gandalf says, I'll help. And if you know the story, Frodo wouldn't make it three days without Gandalf. Or it's like Neil Armstrong going to the rocket scientists of NASA and saying, I'd like to walk on the surface of the moon. And the rocket scientist saying, we'll help. The Holy Spirit is the indispensable assistant for all things that we need. Everything from persevering in our daily life to prevailing in the spiritual battle. So let's, let's talk about the need that we we have the help that he gives us in persevering in, in daily life for a little bit, and then, then we'll talk about the need we have to prevail in the spiritual battle. Sometimes we get the idea that we're not allowed to ask God for help because we feel that the things that, that we're facing, 
maybe aren't that big of a deal. Or they're, they're too earthly or common or, or not spiritual enough. And the truth is, God cares about every detail of your life. Where you live, some of you right now, you're, you're wondering, where am I going to live in a month or two? He cares about where you live. He cares that you have food to eat. He cares about the decisions that you make in work and in family day to day. He cares about your relationships. He cares about your financial situation. He cares. And I love that in the Lord's Prayer, he says, ask for your daily bread. Yes, ask that the kingdom would come and the glory of God would be revealed and that you do the will and work of God on earth, but, but ask for what you need every day. Do not be ashamed. And I've told this story before, but it, it bears repeating. Um, a few years ago, I met a young man named Pala. Pala comes from Kenya. He grew up in the slums of Nairobi, and he was sharing with me once that sometimes he and his siblings would go to bed hungry. They'd had no food to eat that day. And I said, Paula, wasn't that hard? Wasn't that hard even for your faith? Because the Bible says the Lord will not let the righteous go hungry. Paula said, it's not the end of the world to go to bed hungry. There are worse things. And then he said this, which was really important. And we never went two days without food. Because if we did not have food one day, we prayed and we asked for food and it always showed up the next day. If anything, it increased my faith, he said. And I said, thank you, Paula. You've increased my faith. Amazing testimony. But he said, yeah, we prayed for our daily bread. We asked, God provided. Those things of everyday life that weigh on your mind, they weigh on your heart, they weigh on your soul. The Holy Spirit says, I am here to help you with that. Just ask. But that's, that's it, isn't it? Do we ask? Or if you're like me, this is what you do. Those things weigh on your heart, they weigh in your mind, and you, you imagine that because you're thinking about them all the time that you've actually prayed about them, when actually you haven't, because you haven't done just that small step of pivoting 90 degrees, calming down your heart and your mind, and simply naming before the Lord, this is what is weighing on me. Here's where I need your help. This is what I need. We talk about practicing the presence of God. Well, most of the time we're practicing the presence of anxiety. And we know that God knows our thoughts, and so we think, because I'm thinking about this all the time, I'm actually praying. And I, and I think all it takes is for us to do that small pivot, take even just a minute, and intentionally name those things that are weighing on you. Name them before God. I think it's actually pretty rare that we do that. And God is saying, I'm right here. I'm right here to help. I just need you to ask. Because the Holy Spirit is the indispensable assistant for all things, including everything we need to persevere in daily life. Your Father in heaven knows what you need even before you ask. But still, He wants you to ask. Now, while we don't want to neglect or overlook the temporal, the everyday, while we want to acknowledge that, yes, God cares about these things, we also do not want to forget that there is a deeper purpose for our life. You are meant for more than simply surviving 
day to day. So we must never forget that while we live our lives on this earth, we are actually in the midst of the greatest battle of all time. It is the battle between good and evil, and it's happening all around us, though we cannot see it because it is a spiritual battle. But we are in the midst of it, and it is happening right now. And though the Bible tells us that the cross gives us the assurance of victory, the Bible also tells us that the battle is not done until Christ returns. And so you and I are in it. The Bible also tells us that you and every one of us has a part to play. So Paul, writing to the Corinthians about the spiritual gifts, he says, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. We need the Holy Spirit if we are to succeed in our mission and to prevail in this spiritual battle. Now, what is that mission? Turn back to your, your gospel there, John 14, and let's, let's bump up to verse 12 now. Jesus says, truly, truly I say to you, which is everything I say to you is really important, but especially this. Listen to what I'm about to say. Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So when Jesus says, you will do the same works, what he means is quite simple, that the apostles and the church after them would do the same miracles that Jesus did. And if you read the book of Acts carefully, you see that it, it's meant to parallel and show that that is exactly what happened. The same healings and miracles that Jesus was doing in his ministry, now the apostles are doing, casting out evil spirits, healing every disease and infirmity, even to the point where twice in the book of Acts, they raised the dead. That's what he means by you will do the same works. And this is true not only in the era of the apostles, but then throughout church history, those same mighty works of God have been done over and over. The catalog would be too much for us to even count. And that's what Jesus meant when he said, and you will do even greater works. Obviously, no one can do anything greater than become God. Well, you don't become God, right? So there it is. It ends right there. No one can do greater than what Jesus has done, who was God, came to earth, saved the world by dying on the cross. No one can do anything greater than that. But what he's saying is, the number of works that will be done in my name and through the power of the Holy Spirit will be beyond what I did in the three years that I traveled around Galilee and, and Jerusalem. And this is true. If you remember when Billy Graham died a few months ago, they were saying he alone converted over two million people. Jesus did not do that in his earthly ministry. So Jesus is saying, the works that I've done will continue. But if we had any doubt whose power it was that was at work and who receives the glory, look again to the end of verse 14. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. <laughs> so it's clear this is still the mission of Jesus, but it's now being carried out in the church by the power of the Holy Spirit. What these verses also mean for us, as one commentator put it, is that Jesus expects his praying church to be both miraculous and missionary. Jesus expects his praying church to be both miraculous 
and missionary. And here at Resurrection, we utterly reject the idea that the miraculous demonstration of the Spirit's power somehow ended or, or petered out after the generation of the apostles. We do not believe that. We say that the working of the Holy Spirit has continued from that day through every generation of the church, even down to today. And so today, like the disciples 2,000 years ago, we wait, we pray, and we expect, and we totally rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. Because when you go into battle, that's when you need help the most. Right? So just a few weeks after the descent of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, the disciples are preaching, they're ministering, and the same leaders who were jealous of Jesus and crucified him are now after the apostles. They've arrested them, they've commanded them not to do this, and the disciples all gather together and they pray this amazing prayer out of, of Acts 4. They say, and now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. So they said, stretch forth your hand to heal. Do the signs and the wonders and the mighty works through the name of Jesus. And they were filled again with a new feeling of the Holy Spirit. May we at resurrection learn to pray this way. May we seek that constant filling of the Holy Spirit and the signs and the wonders and a move of the Holy Spirit that comes as a result of expectant prayer. So yes, we are in the great battle. But sometimes the battle is greatest within us, isn't it? Every human heart, mind, soul, and body is the battleground in the battle between good and evil. And we need the helper right here more than almost anywhere else as we seek to love what is good and hate what is evil and choose what is right and reject and renounce that which comes from the evil one. That's why Paul says in Romans 8, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the sinful nature, you will live. He says it's by the Spirit that we put to death. That sounds like battle. Put to death the deeds of the sinful nature. Then we shall live. Uh, I, I told a story about Simon last time. Uh, I guess it's Teresa's turn. This is still the age when they enjoy when they hear about, they're not in here, but they, they hear, oh, Papa told a story about us. The time is coming when I'll have to like give them money every time I, I tell stories about them. Here's, here's our favorite story about Teresa. So this was about a year ago when uh, we were getting ready for the new baby and rearranging all the rooms. My in-laws were up uh, to help out with that, and my father-in-law took down the crib out of one of the rooms. And when the girls returned from an errand that they were on with, with Julie, they, they saw the room, and they were not sleeping in the crib anymore because they were five and a half, but they don't like change. So when they saw that the crib was gone, they, they erupted in dismay with wailing and weeping and the gnashing of teeth. And my father-in-law was really, he was, I didn't know what to do. So he said, uh, but hey, if we take the crib out, we can put the piano in here. 
And they responded, no, no, that'll be terrible because then, then we'll wake up in the morning and instead of doing our chores, we'll just go play the piano and then we'll get in trouble. And he said, sounds like this might be an opportunity for you to practice self-control. He said, no, no, we can't have self-control. And he said, well, your mommy and your daddy will, will help you have self-control. And Teresa said, they don't help us have self-control. They just tell us to have self-control. <laughs> a true theological statement. <laughs> we are not the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit can give you self-control. The Holy Spirit can impart to you peace in the midst of anxiety. The Holy Spirit can give to you the power of holiness to overcome habitual sin or whatever else it is that you need to prevail in the spiritual battle. In verse 17 there at the end, Jesus says, the Spirit whom you know, he's been with you, but he will be within you. It's by the power of Spirit that we prevail in spiritual battle. This is in fulfillment to an Old Testament prophecy, one that we know well and we love because we read it every um, Saturday night Easter vigil, every year. The prophecy from Ezekiel 36, where God promises, he, he foretells the coming of the Holy Spirit, and he says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses. And from your idols I will cleanse you, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. So this prophecy tells us that the Holy Spirit's gift to us is a cleansing of the sin and the idolatry. It is also the empowering of us to do what is impossible. If you think it's impossible to walk on the surface of the moon, that's nothing compared to walking a life of holiness. But this prophecy and the gift of the Holy Spirit tells us now because the Holy Spirit is within you, you have the power to walk faithfully. Though be aware, this prophecy also promises he will go after your idols. We have to be re ready to renounce and repent. So in a moment, we actually will uh, practice or do the sacrament of, of baptism, and this will be a chance for all of us who have been baptized to renew our baptismal vows, to participate in the renunciation of evil and the acceptance of Jesus Christ as our Lord. And I pray that as the children receive their washing, so too the Holy Spirit may wash over us, cleanse us, and empower us to walk faithfully in His ways. And I encourage you to take this chance, this sacramental moment, to repent of your sins to renounce your idols, anything that has a hold on you, anything that you've elevated above or in the place of Jesus, anything that seems to you bigger than Jesus himself, renounce it and ask for a new filling of the Holy Spirit. Ask for it today. And may we in the sacraments of baptism and Eucharist receive the indispensable assistant himself, to help us in all things, everything from persevering in daily life to prevailing in the spiritual battle. And finally, we ask the question, okay, how do we do that? How's one way that we can walk in the Spirit more deeply and access this divine 
help? And you probably know the answer already just throughout the sermon, the, the motif woven in from our scriptures. It's to pray. Prayer is the answer. Jesus said in verse 13, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. The whole mission of the church rests on prayer. Our whole life in the Spirit depends on prayer. And may we on this day of Pentecost ask for the Lord and expect a new season of vibrancy in prayer for us as individuals, for us as a church. May we expect that move of the Spirit that comes through prayer. And when you come to the altar today, what is it that you will seek from the Holy Spirit? What is it that you need today or this week or in this season to persevere in daily life? I encourage you to name that thing before the Lord. What is it that you need to prevail in the spiritual battle? I encourage you to name that before the Lord and ask for it. And along with these things, may we come and ask above all for a renewed vibrancy and life in prayer. Amen. Thanks for listening. Our vision at Church of the Resurrection is to equip everyone for transformation. As part of that vision, we love to share dynamic teaching, original music, and stories of transformation. For more of what you heard today, check out the rest of our podcast. To learn more about our ministry, visit churchres.org.